All right, so, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We're going to continue our study on 1 Thessalonians. And uh, as we continue this verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 Thessalonians and look here in the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say, we're beginning into this time and uh, this particular text of Scripture here where uh, the Word of God begins to talk about uh, end-time events. And so things that are going to take place in uh, the end time. And, you know, when it comes to end-time events, the study of end times is, is uh, the theological term of that is uh, eschatology. And so, you know, when we look at that, there's two extremes when it comes to the study of eschatology. There's the extreme uh, to where, you know, that's uh, all all that some folks focus on. They, they just go to the extreme with it, and sometimes they even uh, take things and passages of Scripture out of context, and they even look, everything is a sign, right? Everything under the sun uh, is a sign of, of the return of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that we're knocking on the door of the rapture to happen. Amen. I believe that we're very, very close, but uh, they look at everything and, and th think of every little thing that happens as a sign of the second coming of Christ. I remember, you know, when we had the oil spill out in the Gulf of Mexico several years ago, and we had uh, a whole lot of folks that were saying, well, you know, the Bible tells us that the, that the sea is going to turn red, that oil uh, turned the uh, uh, part of the Gulf of Mexico red. Well, the Bible says that it's going to be uh, a third of the sea, and so it wasn't even a third of the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> much less a third of all the seas. And so we have to be careful about that, that we, you know, don't go overboard in that. And then there's other folks in that same extreme that say, well, why do we even look at that stuff? That stuff's for the future. That stuff's not for us. That, that stuff's, you know, uh, it's a little scary anyway. We don't want to look at that kind of stuff because it just kind of scares people. And, you know, we don't want to scare people. Well, guess what? It's in God's Word. Amen? It's in God's Word. It's in the Word of God. And so as we look at this, God has it in there for a reason. And as God has it in there for a reason, you know, two reasons of why I believe that God allows us to have uh, those, uh, those scriptures in there. In fact, 25% of the Word of God is prophecy. So when we look at that's a great portion of the Word of God. A quarter of the Word of God is prophecy. And so it is obviously very important. But I believe that there's two great reasons of why uh, that we have, really three great reasons of why we have uh, biblical prophecy. Number one, it's a strong urgency for spiritual growth amongst the believers. We believe that Jesus is going to return at any time. Uh, then we're going to be the men and women that God wants us to be and God has called us to be. And so we're going to have that strong urgency of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity uh, within our own lives. Also at the same time as we look in the Word of God, I believe there's a strong urgency of the church. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back and again, uh, you know, I talk about people making signs out of everything. I follow some, you know, end time folks and some of their stuff's good, but then they, they kind of sensationalize a lot of things and, you know, kind of uh, try to make everything under the sun a, a sign. But I really do believe that we're knocking on the door of the second coming of Christ. And so if that is true, there's a whole lot of lost people out there. There might be a whole lot of lost people in here, but we know that there's a whole lot of lost people out there. And so what the church needs to do is step up to the plate and start spreading those gospel seeds. And it ought to give us an urgency for evangelism to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
Amen? To tell us everybody that we know about Jesus Christ and the very fact that He saves. Amen? I want you to know the same gospel that was the power and the salvation uh, in, in the biblical days is the same gospel as the power and the salvation to those who believe today and we need to continue to be out there uh, even more so spreading that gospel message now. We don't know exactly when Jesus is going to return. Jesus Himself said He didn't know exactly when he was going to return. He didn't know the day or the hour. He said the angels don't know the day or the hour. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. So we're not here to predict times and predict when Jesus is coming back, but we're simply here to look at what the Word of God has to say. Now, before we look at this text of Scripture this morning, I want you to understand you know, what I believe about biblical Scripture. Uh, b- b- Prophets, well, I believe about end time events. Here we are, we're today living in the church age. And so as we're living in the church age, we look in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. There it is that, that God gives to us the table of content uh, for the book of Revelation. He tells them to write down the things in which you have seen. What did he see? He saw the revealed Christ and all of his glory and all of his splendor. And he wrote that down in Revelation chapter 1. And he says, right down the things which are what are the things which are that is the churches the seven churches and today we are in the church age we're living in the church age and then he so he wrote that down in revelation chapter 2 and and chapter 3 and then he said write down the things which shall take place after these things and so revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us after these things guess what revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 from that point forward is future events things that are going to take place after these things and what happens in Revelation chapter 4 what happens is there the apostle John he sees a door that is opened up into heaven all of a sudden he is transported into heaven all of a sudden he is in the very throne room of God what is that a symbol of friends that is a symbol of the rapture the rapture of the church the taking away of the church where we're going to be called up into heaven we're going to be called up into the their presence of Almighty God, and we're going to be there in His throne room. Some people say, well, I don't believe in a rapture because I don't find the word rapture in the Bible. Well, you don't find the word Bible in the Bible either, but I still believe this this is my Bible. Amen? You don't find the word Trinity within the Bible, but I believe in the biblical doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but the very fact is that the word rapture is found within the Bible. It's just not translated as rapture. It's it's found there in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 3, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, and uh, beginning in verse 16, it says right there, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord, and so we shall be with the Lord forever. That word caught up, you know what that word caught up is? That word caught up in the Latin is rapture. 
Amen. It is rapture. It is a sudden, immediate taking away. And what is it a sudden, uh, immediate taking away of? It is a sudden, immediate taking away of the church itself. Amen. And so that word rapture, that word caught up, is in the Bible. It's not translated as rapture, but friends, it's in there. And, and so we see the truths of it all over the Bible. We see the truth of it right there in Revelation chapter 4. So we're living in the church age today. We're going to have the rapture. The rapture is the next thing to take place on the prophetic agenda. And then what's going to happen that's going to usher in seven years of tribulation. And so in that seven years of tribulation, we're going to have literal hell here upon this earth as God unleashes His outright wrath upon the inhabitants of the earth. At the end of that seven years of tribulation, Jesus is going to return in all of His glory and all of His splendor riding upon that white horse written upon his side as king of kings and lord of lords on his head are many crowns many diadems and a sword is going to come out of his mouth that is going to slay the nations and friend he is going to step foot on the mount of olives he's going to split it in half in his glory and in his splendor and he is going to set up rule and he's going to set up reign for 1,000 years that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The rapture is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming takes place at the end of the seven years of tribulation. The rapture, Jesus is taking the church out of here. He doesn't come down to this earth he meets us in the clouds of glory and then he takes us to the father's house seven years of tribulation take place then jesus along with his heavenly host which i believe it's going to be us is going to then return to this earth and there we're going to rule and reign with jesus for that one thousand years but friends the rapture of the church i believe is imminent amen i, I believe it's upon us I do believe that we could look at the signs of the times and the days in which we're living in, and we are living in the day uh, we are living in the days of Noah right now. Amen. And so when we look in the Word of God, I believe the Word of God is extraordinarily clear. So as Christians, we need to be getting our house in order. Amen. Uh, we need to clean out some closets. We need to throw out some junk. Amen. We, we need to have an urgency for spiritual growth within our lives. And at the same time, we as the church of the living God, we need to go out there in the highways and the byways and we need to beat the bushes and we need to spread that gospel seed to every single human being that we possibly can we need to have that strong urgency of evangelism and so as we look here within this text of scriptures we look here within the word of God we see a couple of things that are really clear first of all we, we look here and the apostle Paul says in verse 13 but we do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as the rest who have no hope. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to know. You know, isn't it a great thing that we don't have to be ignorant about end-time events? We don't have to be uninformed about end-time events. Now, do we know everything? No. Do we know when Jesus is going to return? No. God's let us know, though, exactly what He wants us to know and the things in which He wants us to know, I believe, are very clearly laid out within the Word of God. Amen? We just need to study the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. And we need to walk in accordance 
to the Word of God. But he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I want you to know about these things. There was a problem in the uh, church. First of all, what we understand is that Paul clearly taught about the second coming of Jesus to the church. Now what's amazing about this is that the believers there in Thessalonica were only believers for a very short amount of time. The apostle Paul was only there for two weeks. He was there for three Sabbaths. He was there for two weeks and then got ran out of town. Threatened with his life. Ran out of town. And so as we look at that, within that very short amount of time, of course he talked to them about the gospel. But he obviously also talked to them about the second coming. He talked to them about the second coming of Jesus Christ. If it was important that the Apostle Paul did that with new believers, friends, I believe it's important that we teach it and preach it within our churches as well. Amen? And so we look at the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. It gives us evidence of Paul uh, telling them and reminding them of the second coming of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 through 10. It says, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. What is Jesus going to do? He's going to rescue us from the wrath that is to come. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. Chapter 2 and verse 19, he says right there, For who is our hope, our joy, our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming? That is coming. Amen. So very clearly, we find here that Paul taught about the second coming of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. We find right here in this text of Scripture that so he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Clearly, the Apostle Paul taught about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even talked about the day of the Lord, the great day of wrath that is going to be poured out upon the inhabitants of the earth. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Now as to times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of any, anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. And so here it is that he's even telling them, he says, you yourself know, you already know this. Because I've already told you this as new believers, I told you this, so you already know this. I'm just reminding you of this, that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. But see, there was a problem, there was some concern. First of all, there were some concerns about those who had already died. We're going to address that next week. Those who had already died, well, they already died. Did they miss out on the second coming? Is there no hope for them? Paul addresses that too. But they were also concerned because there was fierce persecution that was going on 
within the church. Now remember how the church was established. The church was established uh, by Paul going into the synagogues. And Paul going into the synagogues for three Sabbaths, he preached the gospel message. There were some Gentiles who were standing outside the synagogue. They heard the message. They received the message. They gladly received it. They went over to Jason's house and they started having church over there in Jason's house. Well, uh, then a, a, a mob of worthless men, the Bible calls them, uh, was gathered up. They went in there and they arrested Jason. They ran Paul. They, they wanted to kill Paul, but apparently he found out ahead of time and he ran out of town, ran for his life. That, that's biblical church planning, one-on-one. -on -one. Go start a riot, run for your life. <laughs> Amen? No, it's really preaching the gospel. But here it is, that's what happened in Thessalonica, it's what happened in many places that Paul went to. And so there it is that we find in the Word of God that this persecution continued toward the church. And it was fierce persecution. It was intense persecution that they were facing, and so they were wondering, well, are we in the day of the Lord? Paul said it was going to be bad. He said we was going to face some bad times. We don't fully know what all he told them, but clearly he told them it was going to be bad times. Right? Very difficult times, very strenuous times. And so they're thinking, well, are we in the tribulation right now? Did we miss out on the rapture? Or did we misunderstand the rapture? Because some folks believe today, some folks believe today that we're going to go, that Christians, Christian folks, Christian pastors, believe that. Christians that the church is going to go through the rapture. Some people believe that we're going to go through three and a half years of it, through the middle portion of it, and then be raptured. Some people believe that we're going to go through the whole rapture, which doesn't make any sense to me because we're going to be raptured at the end of seven years and we're going to turn around and come right back down to the earth. That doesn't really make any sense to me. But if some people believe that there's not going to be a rapture, which clearly there is because the Bible tells us that there's going to be. And so as we look at this, as we look at the scripture, here it is that they were concerned that maybe they were in the tribulation. Maybe the day of the Lord had already come. Maybe they were already undergoing uh, this persecution because they themselves missed the rapture. Now, Paul told them this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. He said, so that no one of you would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. We've been destined for this. We need to understand something that the Word of God tells us. Paul, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, he said, Indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. Amen? It's going to happen. You desire to live a godly life, and, the more, and guess what? The more ungodly society gets, the more persecution is going to come. And we're seeing it take place right here in the United States of America. The further we get away from the gospel, the further we get away from the word of God, the further we get away from these truths, the more persecution that we're going to have for those who stand up for these truths. And we're seeing it taking place all over the world. And so as we recognize this, we understand this, we're going to face trials. We're going to face those persecutions. 
Paul said this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to Him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as it is from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. No, indeed, the day of the Lord has not come. Times are bad right now. Times are extraordinarily difficult right now. The world has faced bad times before. Many, many bad times the world has faced. You know, our generation up until COVID came, the generation that I live in anyway, I say my generation rather than our generation, but my generation up until COVID came, we really didn't, we've never seen hard times. We, we've never faced hard times, right? We didn't know what hard times were about. And you know, as we, we look at what's going on in the world today, and we see the, the, the uh, worldwide plague, and we see all of the people dying, and all the people getting sick, it's bad. And especially for those who have lost loved ones, it's extraordinarily bad. And our hearts break for them. But I want you to understand that this does not even remotely compare to what the tribulation is going to be like. In fact, when we look in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 7, we look in Revelation and we see what tribulation is going to be like. The Bible describes what tribulation is going to be like. We realize quickly that we're not even remotely close to what tribulation is going to be like. Friends, if we're, if we're in the time of tribulation, we're going to know beyond any shadow. Of we're not going to think, we're not going to wonder, we're not going to say, could we be in the time of the tribulation? Now remember, Christians are going to be raptured, Christians are going to be taken out of here. Now in the time of the tribulation, there's going to be three sets of judgments that's going to fall upon the earth. The first set of judgments is going to be those sealed judgments. There's going to be a book. That book is going to have seven seals on it. Only Jesus is worthy to open that book and to break open the seven seals that are on that book. And so that first set of judgments, uh, the, the, the breaking open of the seven seals is, is taking place. And so the first four of those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is really God saying, okay, you want to have things your way? you go right ahead I'm going to totally lift my hands of restraint from the devil and his minion demons and I'm going to let him have his way you want things your way you go right ahead and see how well things work out for you that's the four horsemen of the apocalypse right there so we see right here in verse 7 of the fourth one we see in verse 7 of chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, When the Lamb broke forth the seal, I heard the voice from the fourth living creature say, Come. And, and so as we look at that, in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 7, he says, Come. And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on the horse had the name Death, and Hades was following him, and authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth. To kill with sword and famine and with pestilence and, wild, and by wild beasts of the earth. One fourth of the population of the earth. Then we look over in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13. There we find the seven uh, of the, the trumpet judgments. 
after the seven seals are broken open, it's going to usher in the seven trumpets. And in the midst of the seven trumpets, we find in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13, he said, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth, because the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the angels are about to sound. Woe to those who are going to be here for the remaining blast of the trumpet. You see, that's God's grace right there. That is God's mercy right there. He's saying, come to Jesus. You don't want to face this. You don't want to experience this. Woe, 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 that threefold woe to those who are alive and remain during this time. And Revelation chapter 9 and verse 15 tells us this. And the four angels who had been prepared for the, four de- uh, uh, for the hour. Uh, now listen to this. The hour and the day and the month and the year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. You see the sovereignty of God right there. The hand of God. Satan thinks he's in charge. He thinks, oh, I've got the earth now. I've got this one world government going on. I'm the man. I'm in charge. But no, God is saying, no, you're not. I am. Amen. And so the very, uh, as the word of God says right there, the very hour, the very day, and the very year is going to take place that one third of mankind is going to be killed. Now guess what? This is the first part of the tribulation. This is the first three and one-half years of the tribulation. We have one-fourth of the population of the earth that's been killed, and we have one-third of the population of the earth that has been killed. And friends, we have not seen anything like that. We've not seen anything remotely close to that back I googled this, so I'm assuming Google's right. Google's not always right, so you want to fact check me on that, then fact check me. But anyway, according to Google, there's 7.96 billion people on the face of this earth. Now let's just, for my sake, make it a little easier and say there's 8 billion people (laughs) on the face of this earth, because I'm not all that good at math. So we're just going to make it easy. We're going to round it up. Eight billion people on the face of this earth. Now, eight billion people on the face of this earth and one quarter of them die. Two, four, six, eight. That's two million people. And just that with the horsemen of death. And then that brings it down to six billion people on the face of the earth. And now, one-third of that population dies. What is one-third of six billion? That's another two billion people. So in three and a half years, times are going to be so bad upon this earth, the Bible says people are going to be seeking death and won't even be able to find it. They're going to want to die, but they're not going to be able to. But one half of the population of this earth within those three and a half years are going to die. 
Four billion people on the face of this earth are going to die within those three and a half years. Friends, we're not even remotely close to that today. And not only that, as we look in the Word of God, God has reminded us and God has told us that He has not destined His people for wrath. In fact, He says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 8, he says, uh, But since we are of the day, uh, let us be of sober, uh, let, let, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet and the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. And that's going to be the wrath of God poured down upon this earth in a fierce way. But God's not destined his children for that. In fact, Jesus told the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, He told them, He said, I'm going to keep you from that hour of testing that befalls the whole world. We've never really had an hour of testing that has befalled the whole world, that has affected everyone. But friends, during the time of the tribulation, it is going to affect everyone. There's not going to be a human being on the face of this earth that it is not going to affect, that it is not going to impact. And it's going to be so bad, people are going to want to die, but they're not going to be able to, to do it. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21 through 22, he said this, he said, For then there will be a great tribulation as has not occurred since the beginning of the world. We've never seen anything like this, Jesus said. You've never seen anything like this. Not occurred since the beginning of the world, nor ever will. Unless those days be cut short, no life would be saved. It's going to be so bad unless God has mercy and cuts those days short. Nobody's going to survive it. The fact is, you don't have to go through it. Amen? You don't have to go through it. So it was kind of scaring me, Brother Rusty. Well, if you're saved, you don't have any reason to be scared. Amen? You don't have a single solitary reason on the face of this earth to be scared because God, if you're a child of God, God has not destined you for wrath. That is a promise found right here within the Word of God that we can absolutely be assured of. He's not destined you for that wrath. How sure am I of the fact that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation there's many many reasons that's the greatest reason it hasn't destined us for wrath also if if, if the <laughs> if paul thought that the rapture was going to take place in the midpoint of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation then the church of thessalonica would be worried about that it wouldn't be concerned that the day of the lord's already come Amen? They just say, all right, we're fixing to be at the end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's tough right now, but it's almost over. No, they weren't saying that. They're afraid they missed the boat. They was afraid they missed the trumpet call. The question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, are you ready? We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. Friend, it'll happen just like that. Are you ready? 
Are you ready? You can stop breathing right now. Your heart can stop beating right now. You might not even ever see that time. Death can befall you right now. Preacher friend of mine was preaching Easter Sunday morning service, giving the invitation, drop dead right there. Who knew? He's a young guy too. Wasn't that old? We just don't know. You better be ready. You better be ready. What do I need to do to be ready? He tells us right here, verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. How sure can we be this? He said, this is the word of the Lord. In Paul's word, it isn't Rusty Coon's word, it isn't any man's word. This is the word of the Lord. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Dead in Christ are going to rise first. It's going to be a trumpet. That trumpet's going to blow. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then almost simultaneously, there's going to be the rapture. Not even going to notice the difference. How quickly is that going to happen? The Bible tells us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 52, it says this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. Now he says right above that, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, not all will sleep, but will be changed. Not all will sleep, not all is going to be put in the grave. What's going to happen to them? They're going to be raptured. But for those who remain For this perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal will put on immortality. Then this perishable will put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying right there? The dead in Christ are going to rise first. But not all are going to sleep. So therefore those who are alive and remain shall be caught up. We'll be raptured. Taken out of here. How quickly? In the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye is not the blinking of an eyelid. No, friend, it is much faster than that. What is the twinkling of an eye? The twinkling of an eye is when light hits the eye. You see that little twinkle. So what is literally the twinkling of an eye? It's the speed of light. (laughs) The speed of light. So you're not going to have time to get ready then 
You need to get ready now. And the only way, there's only one way. Y'all have a hymn for invitation? Okay. Y'all come up. Chase, if you go ahead and start playing on the piano. There's only one way to get ready, friends, and that's by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you ready? Everybody stand, if you will. As you stand out here this morning, do you know that you know that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt? There's no I think or maybe or I hope. Friend, you better know. Do you know today, beyond any shadow of a doubt, if you're to die right now, or if the rapture was to take place within the twinkling of an eye, that you're ready? Let me ask Brother Kevin if he'll come on down here. If you don't, if you come grab Brother Kevin by the hand and say, Brother Kevin, I don't know, but I want to know. Or maybe you just flat out know that you're not ready, but today you want to get ready. The Bible says, who warned you of the wrath that is to come? I'm warning you right now. There's a wrath that's to come, but you don't have to face it. If you're saved, you don't have any reason to fear. If you're not saved today, you better fear. I pray you don't have a restful moment, a restful second until you get your heart right with Jesus. As living forgiven leads us during this time of invitation, you come. You don't hesitate, you come. And you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior.